Hello, and welcome to a Mind Matters podcast presented by A Light for Change, where we discuss the who, what, where, why, and how we as a community can make positive changes. The when is up to all of us, and it starts with you. Before I start, let's get into a positive zone, and I'll share my thoughts on a question from Graduate Thrivers Pass Cards. The card drawn is yellow for forethought, and the question is, if your friends described you, what would you hope they'd say? I would hope they would consider me as dependable, optimistic, having integrity with an altruistic value, compassionate, resilient, open-minded, and, of course, authentically nice. I think they all know I wear my heart on my sleeve while I wave my weird flag proud and high, and I give each one of them a special place in my heart and book of life. The reason they are the reason it is such a riveting read. This is season two, The Role We Play, episode 11. Your assets will be given as just deserves. Assets are defined as all the possessions of a person, corporation, or estate that hold value. Some of us have many assets, others just a few in the traditional understanding, but this status reflects in opposite when considering the value of the people in your life. Today, there is a deficit in the value of relationships and the power they have to create an authentically joyous life. Under both circumstances, possession, and relation, there are three factors that determine if someone is deserving of an asset, motive, cause, and intention. If these factors align with the lesson you need to learn or path you need to walk, then those things or people you seek to have in your life will be in your life. And if they do not align, then remind yourself that rejections is God's protection as Pamela Cummings would say. Almost everyone wants to have wealth of assets, but what motivates us to acquire them determines the kind of assets you will be rich with. Success is generally measured by the assets we possess, be it money, property, materials, friends, loved ones, health, virility, beauty, awards, work power, awareness, academia, or anything else you can conceive to use a measure of achievement. However, it is for our authentic selves to decide which we value most and how we are motivated to acquire and use these assets. I have spent most of my life motivated to acquire awareness through varied experiences from both poles, but what I gained from that as a lesson was to love wholeheartedly, which will light up the path I should walk, compassionately guiding others to face their emotions so they can live with authentic joy. I was motivated to experience the true colors of of humanity, which meant that I had to flow through the path that saw me jump in full throttle into everything I tried, achieving rapid success, only to be rejected or rather lose interest, leading me to move on to new experiences. This meant not having an academic or career specialty. Motivated to experience the poles of humanity, this also meant that I would meet, I would not meet the criteria financially to stay in either pole. 
There were times I had nothing, but soon was blessed with enough to share. And there were times I had plenty, but then unexpected expenses would take it all away. I learned to be resourceful and creative, so I would not hold money as a focus. Maintaining a level of comfort, but any selfish spending quickly was punished by weeks of pulling up my bootstraps. If I would have been motivated by riches, perhaps my path and lessons would have been different. But I am driven by wonder and curiosity for a different purpose than achieving status. So choosing riches would not have been authentic for me. It can be hard to feel connected to your authentic motivation under the societal conditioning that alters the parts of our thought dialogue. When generational molding screams over your authentic thoughts, it can confuse what we surmise the qualifying factors of success are. So we acquire asset after asset, never feeling fulfilled. If you close your eyes and sit in silence without a point of focus, you will start to think. When you send something while going about your day, it will evoke you to think. In fact, our thoughts are present with us along with our breath or our heartbeat to the point where the loss of them is considered a fatality. I am not a professional, but I have made friends with my thoughts and I have learned to recognize the conversation had between my authentic voice and the conditioned voices. I have found my inner voice is loudest in the question that follows the reaction to what was sensed. For example, I may have been startled in reaction, but then my brain asked, what was so scary? Or what is all this excitement about? Perhaps even, what am I supposed to be paying attention in preparedness for? That is my wonder, my authentic voice, showing its curiosity to understand all that it envelops and is expressed by humanity. However, within Seconds or two, more voices will pop into my thoughts. My father describes how to proceed with caution and etiquette, and my mother saying, if the family doesn't benefit from it, then it's none of your business. But still, gather the gossip-worthy details from the sideline. It took my dad's passing and my promise to care for my mom in his place to realize that the second set of voices were not mine. After all, they did all sound the same. I could spend hours detailing my thoughts, but the moral I gained through my life story was that when I followed the question through to the consensus, I was granted the assets I needed and valued most. When I followed the safe choices that echoed from years of conditioning, I was often left feeling like I was getting what I needed. I wasn't getting what I needed out of the moment, alone and empty with no understanding. Another reaction that we all have is intrigue, and most of us have learned that intrigue leads to heartbreak, though few have found a straight path to joy. Intrigue is a big part of relationship assets, determining the level of connection and longevity that is created. My authentic thoughts are even louder when reacting to intrigue. Instructing body language and pheromonic signals to invite what intrigues me into interactions without waiting for any further thought processing. Many relationships that intrigued me did not last, but each of them gave me an understanding of myself and the mind of others. 
But who gave me the most valuable assets? My children, who make me rich in love. The same intrigue formed so many magical friendships. I also, I only have time to connect with each occasionally. Through every interaction with them, I grow a little more and understand a little bit more. The many friendships that I flowed through will always be valued assets to me and important characters in my book of life. In time, the impactfulness of these relationships added a few more voices to the conversation in my mind, reminding me of what happened last time I experienced similar or their motivational story. Humans are meant to be unique from each other, forming like fingerprints of thoughts, explaining why it is so rare that a single asset stays with you. Most often, our motive will not be the same as another's, and we are driven to achieve our unique motive, allowing a united path to separate like a zipper. Sometimes when a path unzips, it ends dramatically abrupt, but often the emotional connections formed will keep the relationship an asset that was redistributed, able to visit any time. Our role in life is to understand why we seek the assets we do, how we can be an asset to others with different motivations, and allow authenticity to determine what we should value. Motives reveal why we do what we do, which is actually more important to God than what we do. Joyce Mayer. When we look upon others, it can be hard to understand what could cause someone to have what they have or not. We don't tend to know the thoughts and actions that led them to their status. So it's easier to think the grass is greener when you are unaware of the dedication and sacrifices made to possess the life that they do. In creating the scale of value in society, it makes it harder to see what caused us to have the assets we have or not. When the public gazes upon the elite, particularly entertainers, it seems as if the powers that be granted them the perfect life, yet so many of them fall into destructive behaviors and that we assume it is because they are spoiled. If life was so-called perfect, why would they spoil it away? Because it wasn't perfect. It was just as hard but lonelier in the 1%. There are more demands to always perform at your optimal peak, to bend and accommodate to the source of assets, to put a mask over any feeling or opinion you may have that contrasts the image created. Similarly, the public looks upon the homeless as a blight to be swept away, the embarrassing, lazy, and dirty people. When many are there because their mind has suffered so much, the troubles of the street life pale in comparison to the afflictions of the wolf in sheep's clothing. My most heartfelt experience in understanding cause came to me one Christmas when I was compelled to defend against a misconception of my character. You see, I was never rich, despite potential to be, to be so. Often, neither were my peers. However, I had a big heart and cared for a lot of people, to which I would work tirelessly to be able to make and buy gifts, proudly showing a picture of them all under my tree, ready to bring 
smile to all their faces on Christmas Day. I was informed one day by my peers who saw the picture that they thought it was stuck up how much I spoiled my children and showed it off, judging me because they couldn't provide such spoils for their children. I felt horrible because they hadn't realized I considered my friends family and bought them one by one and brought them one by one to get their family's gifts from ours early and retook a picture saying I was blessed to share my love early. Only my children left to spoil on Christmas Day, showing only the handful of gifts that remained. It was a hard pill to swallow, knowing that even being caused to commercial behaviors by love can be seen as bad. And though we all moved forward from that moment with Christmas cheer, to this day, I hold myself back from gifts that were bought for small and replace them with small handmade notes or tokens of love and gratitude. This cause of our thoughts and desires are usually rooted in our experience. Experiencing trauma could lead someone to acquire a life of comfort, sacrificing potential experience for the safe path and the sure bet. Well, in the same breath, it can lead someone to be dedicated to experience the opposite pole of what traumatized them, sacrificing time and energy to create change. Experiencing privilege and abundance perceived as joy can lead one to feel they need to make no effort in life, lazily expecting all to be in service to them. Where in the same breath, it could humble someone into seeing all the have-nots that can be saved by their privilege. What we experience in the past as a subtle but impactful layer to what we perceive in the present. I started my academic career in Montessori and then transitioned to the public school system. But my explorative mind was already set and I struggled with staying in the box that said what, where, when, and how I should learn. Despite my mind's aptitude for understanding and absorbing knowledge, these experiences as a young child would see my life opt away from traditional schooling to learn about life in a hands-on, less practical way. Beliefs are the most impactful cause in manifesting the assets you desire. Believing you deserve it will almost certainly align with your motive to acquire them. While believing you don't will surely reduce your efforts to acquire them. Spiritualists as far back as the pharaohs of Egypt have decreed that the power of manifesting manifesting your destiny by telling the universe what it is you want. Religious folks have for centuries told us that if we believe with faith that we will be blessed after life and coaches will hype you up with their cheers (coughs) to motivate you across the finish line. As a child, I believed the world was was beautiful and people were scary. No one understood my weird mind, so I had to change it and believed that I had to make people not scary by learning to manipulate myself and my lifestyle to always be on the protected side. For survival, I repeatedly adapted. And as a mom, I believed I needed to sacrifice all of me to give them everything. All these beliefs held their purpose in their time. All of them led me to experience, joyful and traumatic, but all my beliefs were flipped upside down with one life-altering experience. My son became an angel without warning. I had no idea what to believe anymore. 
And that was exactly what needed to happen. So I would learn to believe that things happen to show you what you need to know and where to go. I learned to listen to my children tell me how anxious and socially perfect life made them feel. I learned to listen to my trauma say adapting didn't mean chameleon change, but accepting modification. I learned to listen to the nonverbal ways others showed their weird minds. Most importantly, I learned to believe that when we listen, others will believe in our unique purpose, naturally revealing it with more clarity. Our role in life is to open our perspectives to see and hear the possible cause to any thought or interaction, be it yours or another's, so you can understand with compassion the unique intended path of all things. According to Zeno of Setum, fate is the endless chain of causation, whereby things are the reason or formula by which the world goes on. All that drives you to acquire is only part of the equation. What you intend to do with what you acquire determines the longevity of attainment. Our intention is not fixed. It flows with our feelings and mindsets as we move through experiences. Think of all the things you wanted to do when you were young. Why did you want to do those things? Most kids choose from the top five careers because a society, we have come become content with an intention of being wealthy, but there are still some children who dream of roles where they can help people or ones where they can improve the common way of life. If you become a teacher because you perceive the title as one society will praise you for having and not for the love of watching young minds expand with understanding and intrigue, to know more, then what quality of education do you believe you would give the children? What I'm getting at is if that you intend to use your education, wealth, possessions, and physical well-being for things that align to your values, then chances are you will continue to acquire these assets with ease and improve. Whereas if your intentions do not align, there's a greater probability these assets will be squandered and misappropriated eventually ceasing to flow your way. As I look back on my life, I wondered why I have so much capacity for success, but lack the wherewithal to be successful. I realized that I never had the intention of being successful by reflecting on the patterns in my choices. It seems my intentions were always to be helpful, exploring the understanding of life and my assets aligned to having simple comforts and the freedom to move with opportunities as they arose. When I saw the strands of my behavioral tendencies form from my choice patterns, I noticed that I tended to invest in people with no hopes of return out of guilt for having, well, they have not, which explains why I would never take opportunities to be rich, limiting the chance I would be conned into investing into someone's pain instead of nurturing their potential with my optimistic mindset. Intention for our assets must align to the personal motives as you transform through experiences, or they will no longer seem to be an asset. We become complacent once we have obtained an asset, believing it to be owned, denying its ability to grow under personal experience, giving it the motive to part ways. As is the case with most relationships we grow through. Through my reflection, though my reflection made me realize how my intentions are swayed by my misplaced guilt for having privilege, 
I also realized the people I invested in were not to blame because it was who I allowed them. It was I, sorry, who allowed them to take advantage without continued effort. I learned the problem with privilege is that you, if you have it without the drive to make proper use of it or compensate it with your efforts, there is a good chance you will indulge, indulge and lose sight of your goals while soaking in the luxuries you're being handed for the little effort in return. Your intended path has a way of proving whether an asset becomes a tool or a lesson to grow from. When something is meant for you to have as an asset, it will benefit you and come in handy regularly like a trusted tool hanging from a tool belt. A degree is like a drill. It can be used to get through through many jobs, but getting the point in easier by creating a perfectly threaded place to enter, but it can also leave you limited to one experience. Likewise, being beautiful can seem like the greatest asset to have, but it is often a lesson on self-respect and value due to the afflictions caused from sexualizations, being controlled as a possession, or having your other assets overlooked in beauty shadow. Imagine having predictive psychic abilities. Sure, it would be great to know the winning lottery numbers, but how would you feel walking past a, stra a stranger and seeing their demise or having that happen with each of the hundred or so people you pass in a day? I would surely become a recluse, but one who has purpose in such a talent might train themselves to harness such an ability and focus their thoughts. A talented athlete would seem to live the good life, but there are many sacrifices to be made to have the time to train and privacy from your fame. Many who aspire to be an athlete have all the skills they need to succeed, but are not able to see through the sacrifices and forced to use their asset as a lesson in consequence, in action, and perseverance through adversity. There are also many athletes that excel, but lean solely on their athletic assets, causing them to physically and mentally burn out, reducing the longevity of their career providing them a lesson in balance and highlighting the need to focus on, other, on their other assets. It took me a long time to see the lessons I was learning through each experience that felt like an affliction. But once I learned, I became apt at turning even the lessons, even the tough lessons into a tool, facilitating, facilitating my use of my assets. I innately am very loving both with compassion and passion, which meant I would stay in unhealthy relationships much longer than I needed, forgiving misdeeds. I had to learn from each relationship my boundaries, my value, and what I wanted or I sought in a partner before my big heart could be good for good. Now that I have learned these lessons, overcoming my pain, my loving compassion is not limited to passionate relations, but can be shared with my friends and community as well. It is our role to nurture our assets and God-given abilities with the mindset we were given them for a reason. Being able to learn and grow into an understanding of the powerful potential of even our smallest assets is a gift. As Tom Hawkins would say, 
You are your greatest asset. Put your time, effort, money, and training into grooming and encouraging your greatest asset. An asset can be so many things, from a tangible possession to an intangible relation, wherein only you can determine your opportunities, lessons, and ability to make use of your asset. As I leave you to think on this topic, I challenge you to think about this mindfulness exercise until then as well. How will you ensure your relations are healthy and mutually growing, ensuring the motive, cause, and intention of a relationship asset is balanced to your happiness and aligned to your purpose path? I will close the conversation by drawing another card from the Positive Attitude Zone, Pass Cards for short. The question will be the opening question for next episode. The card drawn is purple for relationships, and the question is, If you can change one thing about your family, what would it be? We will get to that next week. But in the meantime, you can get your past cards, Positive Attitude Zone, at www.graduatethrivers.com. That's spelled capital G, small r-i-d, capital U, small i-t, capital T, small h-r-i-v-e-r-s.com. Stay wonderful, wholesome, happy, and open-minded being natural as you can, and smiling as much as you can. Take care until we talk again. This has been Heidi Hardy on the Mind Matters podcast, created by A Light for Change.